the Lord's day and looking at the Lord's word together. I'm uh, reminded, I don't know why I was reminded of this, but, but with the temperature change and it getting colder and there was a bunch of rain this week, uh, there was a, in 2008, there was a really big storm and it knocked out the city of Louisville's power for two weeks. Okay, I was living in the city of Louisville and the only things that were open uh, were the hospitals. They had like the, a power grid for the hospitals and anything that happened to be on the hospital's power grid. Uh, those things was the Dillard's in the mall St. Matthew's that I worked at and a Burger King across the street. Those are the only things that were open in the city of Louisville. And so um, I uh, was in seminary at the time. I wasn't yet married to Jennifer, and so I was living in this single dorm. I had no kitchen. I needed food. And so I was one of those people who uh, got in my car and waited in line for three hours just to get food at the Burger King because that was what was open. Um, I was not going to be turned away. I needed food. I didn't care if it took six hours to get in line. I was desperate. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, it was only after that I realized that I needed to get food for the next day also. Uh, so I had to get in line again. That's okay. Uh, but I was desperate. There was nothing that was going to stop me from Burger King and its fries and a cold Dr. Pepper. I wonder what you guys have been desperate for in your lives, if there's been situations where you're saying, I'm going to do this, and it doesn't matter what gets in my way, I won't let it permanently get there. I wonder what you have longed for, maybe for food, maybe something greater than food. What we see this morning in our passage is we see so a man who's so desperate for the mercy of Jesus that he didn't let anything get in the way of him crying out to him. And what we see is that this man is actually a model of discipleship for us. I know college football started this last weekend or yesterday, and so I figured I'd title this sermon the Discipleship Heisman Trophy Winner, okay? Uh, that's what this man is in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. He is a, his desperation for Jesus is a model for us that we should embrace. And, and if you're wondering why we want to embrace what uh, a blind beggar would do, well, well let's, let's look at this passage together. We've been going through, week by week, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and we've been looking at the life and ministry and, and mission of Jesus. Uh, this is the second half. This is shortly before uh, uh, the end of Jesus' life, before his death on the cross. Uh, some people actually understand uh, what's happening here at the very end of Mark chapter 10 to be the beginning of the triumphal entry. I I'm not sure if I'm there yet or not, uh, but we're at the end of Jesus's life. And this morning, Jesus shows us that he has mercy to the poor and the powerless. Now, we have been going through our, our verse of the series uh, hopefully, we have just a few more weeks that we are doing that before we move on to our Advent. So if you uh, don't have it memorized, that's okay. It should be here on the screens. But let's say our verse of the series with us. That, that helps us key on what's going on here in the Gospel of Mark. Let's say Mark 10.45 together. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray for our time in God's word. God, we ask 
that all the good things that we see from Bartimaeus and, and, and from Mark 10, God, that you would, by your spirit, through your word, shape us and, and transform us and change us and, 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 and do whatever heart work that needs to be done, Father, that we would be following you, not in name only, but in all of who we are. And so, God, would you use Mark 10 to do that good work in our lives, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. If you have your sermon notes, our sermon passage is inside there uh, so that you can, can look at it. We are looking at Mark 10, beginning verses 46 through uh, verse 52. I'm going to read that for us this morning. Here's what it says. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, the disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Well, if there's one thing that we want you to get away from this morning, that, that you can take away, that you can chew on this week, that if there's nothing else that you remember from this morning, here's what we think Mark is trying to communicate in this section of, of Mark chapter 10. This is what we want you to walk away with. Here's the big idea. God's kingdom welcomes the poor and the powerless. So get on the road with Jesus and follow him. God's kingdom welcomes the poor and the powerless. So get on the road and follow him. We're going to kind of look at this kind of in three different ways. We're going to look at Bartimaeus, who's beside the road. We're going to look at his call on Jesus to have mercy. And then we're going to look at how he gets on the road and follows Jesus. So in verses 46 through 48, Jesus and his disciples are, are headed for Jerusalem. They're doing that in part because of the celebration of the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, uh, when Israel remembered that, that God had been leading them through the desert and after they'd been freed from slavery from Egypt. But Jesus was also headed to Jerusalem for a greater reason, he, for his own death on the cross, his soon resurrection and defeat of sin and death. And all of Jesus' ministry was building up to the time in Jerusalem, for the time when he'd die on the cross and then be raised. And so it, it had come as if it was, was been going on for forever. It had come to such a level that it felt like every step was heavier and heavier. It felt like it was getting forever to get there. So for example, if you've ever been on road trips, road trips as a child or had children on road trips, what's the first thing that children ask as you're pulling out of the driveway? 
Either I have to go to the bathroom or are we there yet? Of course the answer is no. Because if, <laughs> maybe baby shark. Uh, but they're, they're trying to explain that it feels like it's taking forever, right? Uh, in fact, actually last year at this time, my family and I were traveling back to Colorado for a wedding. Uh, we were traveling as a family of five. It's a little bit of a hassle. Uh, but I did everything that I could so that it would work out smoothly. Okay, so the night before we left Columbus, we stayed at a hotel so it would be closer to the airport. I had scheduled an airport shuttle. Uh, we had all of our bags packed. We had our car seats ready. We had our travel documents ready. We had to leave super early that morning so that we'd land in Denver just in time to have breakfast with, with Gammy and, and Grandpa. And everything that morning that could go wrong did. Okay, so the airport shuttle didn't come, so we had to call a cab. The cab didn't bring a van, only a four-passenger car for my family of five and all of our luggage uh, with stroller and car seats. We're so late getting to the airport. I mean, you can just picture Home Alone style running at this moment, okay? We get there, there's a two-hour line. The only time ever in Columbus Airport, there's a two-hour line to get through security. And so Jennifer and the, and the kids are running ahead of me, just trying to hold the plane, and I'm just trying to carry every single bag I can because we're cheap and we carry on and we don't check all of our bags. Okay, we're getting there too late, but it's okay because the plane had a battery problem. And so it got delayed two hours. And all the regional airports around us were also out of those types of batteries, delayed two more hours. And so they had to drive a battery down from Cleveland, and that driver got lost. Oh. Delayed another two hours. The driver finds the battery, or with the battery, he finds the airport, and that battery is dead. Delayed another two hours, okay? So we finally made it to Denver in time for a late dinner after having been stuck in Columbus for nine hours. It felt like the trip was never going to end, and it had only begun. Okay, it's a little bit of what the disciples are feeling here. They're headed to Jerusalem. They know what's about to happen, and it just feels like it's taking forever to get there. So Jesus and his disciples are about to leave Jericho. It's just 15 miles away from Jerusalem, okay? They're almost there. And then they encounter that someone else wants their time. And so this passage is about a blind beggar who ironically sees Jesus more clearly than those with two good eyes and climaxes to Jesus' teaching on what faith and discipleship look like. Mark 10 is, is packed with references of discipleship, but none of the disciples are demonstrating faith or insight or discipleship of the blind Bartimaeus. We see that our status doesn't determine our worthiness for Jesus' mercy and God's kingdom. Jesus and his disciples are about to leave Jericho, one of the oldest cities on earth historically. And a great crowd was following them in part because they were headed up to Jerusalem uh, because of Jesus' popularity. Uh, and they come across this blind man. Uh, and this is the, the only time, this is actually interesting, this is the only time when someone who is healed in the Gospels is named. And we even get his father's name, which gives you know, a place for historical accountability that says, yeah, there were people who knew this guy. This could have been verified when this was written. This man was marginalized. That's why he was on the side of the road. He clearly didn't see Jesus 
but he had heard the crowd speaking of this Jesus of Nazareth that was coming. And so blind Bartimaeus begins to cry out in verse 47, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now what Bartimaeus lacked in his eyesight, he, he makes up for in his insight. Bartimaeus understands something that the disciples are still slow to understand. And Mark is genius, by the way. If you, if you, if you read the Gospel of Mark and start looking at the, how it's structured, Mark is a genius in how he wrote his Gospel. This is the second blind man who's being healed, uh, the first blind man being in Mark 8, and then these, these two blind men healed serves kind of as bookends uh, in between, and three times Jesus it predicts his death and his resurrection. And so the blindness of the disciples understanding the true mission of Jesus is now being emphasized even as blind Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now the title, son of David, was a, was a messianic title, a, a title given to the Messiah, going back to one of the greatest kings in all of Israel's history, King David. David was so great that Jerusalem was named the city of David. In 2 Samuel 7, that, that we read earlier as our scripture passage, God promised to David that David's throne, uh, a descendant of David, would sit and reign over God's people forever. And so for Jesus to be called the son of David what was a reference to God's promises to Israel. Mark uses this title only three times of Jesus, twice in our passage, uh, used by Bartimaeus, and then uh, later in after the triumphal entry. Uh, we, we read this in Matthew 21 in the triumphal entry. The crowds are shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so, so we see that this title, son of David, was something that was being given to Jesus. Mark records it simply as the crowd was saying, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. So either way, we should see that Jesus going to Jerusalem as a significant sign for people who are looking for the Messiah. People who saw Jesus connected to King David and David's lineage and God coming for his people. And so Bartimaeus was looking for the Messiah who would bring healing, who would bring wholeness. But to many in the crowd, Bartimaeus was only annoyance. Right? Look at verse 48 with me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. They wanted him quiet. Thankfully, this time it wasn't the disciples. Okay, we knew that happened earlier. Uh, given Jesus' popularity, a, a socially insignificant blind man is considered as an interruption. But it doesn't stop Bartimaeus. He cries out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Even if the way seemed blocked, nothing would stop Bartimaeus. He needed mercy. I think it's a good call for us to recognize that, 
that if we understand ourselves to be people who need mercy, that we should cry out for mercy and not to stop because Jesus gives mercy. I remember in 2014, Adeline hurt her arm and and I took her to uh, this immediate care center and, and we waited there for eight or nine hours just to be seen. Uh, that's not unusual. That's Canadian healthcare. Uh, and the, the doctor wasn't very good, and he couldn't help us. So then he sent us to the ER, where Jennifer and Adeline spent another eight-plus hours before being seen. Adeline was, was crying the entire time. It, it didn't matter that we had just been waiting for nine hours the first time. We would go wherever it would take to get help, even if we had to do a parent shift. Uh, we, we were desperate for Adeline's arm to feel better. Well, brothers and sisters, in crying out to God the first time, don't give up. If it doesn't work out, if it, if it doesn't give the result that you think that it ought to, or if you think that God hasn't heard your cry, don't give up because you've done it one time. Christian, don't quit. Don't get discouraged in praying for things again and again. Don't be discouraged from following Jesus by the voices of others. Right? Following Jesus is always worth it. If I were a family doctor myself, I could have helped Adeline with her arm, but I wasn't. I needed help. And the same is true with Jesus. Right? In our, our, our verse of the series says, even, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, we could not ransom ourselves. We needed someone else's help. We needed Jesus' help. We cannot answer prayer. We need help. And we need to see that the kingdom of God is not for the well-meaning, but for the desperate. The kingdom of God is not for the well-meaning. It is for the desperate. Bartimaeus is desperate, and his desperation becomes the doorway to faith. So friends, realize our desperate need of Jesus and continue to cry out for mercy to Jesus because Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, the suffering servant, he's in the job of giving mercy. The love and grace of Christ extends to all who are in need and have faith in him. God's kingdom welcomes the poor and the powerless. And so we need to get on the road and follow Jesus. Let's look at this next part where where Bartimaeus calls out, Lord, have mercy. Verses 49 to 51. We read some of the sweetest words of Jesus' love towards people right here in verse 49. Those three words, and Jesus stopped. How remarkable that the Son of Man allows the cries of a poor and powerless person to stop him in his tracks. We see Jesus, the the Christ, the Messiah, on his way to the cross, and yet he stops to serve Bartimaeus. Wow, what, what amazing mercy and grace that is. What should amaze us even more is that this grace isn't unique to Bartimaeus, but that we, right now, we have the ear of Jesus who intercedes for us on our behalf to the Father every single time we go to God in prayer. Jesus' ear to the needs of those who are needy is not unusual 
because we all have the ear of Jesus today. Consider how remarkable this scene is, this entire scene came about. Jesus and his disciples had to leave at the right time. The, the weather had to be good enough for Bartimaeus to be on that part of the roadside. Right? If, if Bartimaeus had, had gone out to the road even a couple of hours later, he would have completely missed Jesus. And yet, in God's good providence, Bartimaeus had a chance to encounter Jesus. Look at verse 49 with me. It says this. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Well, friends, it is not by accident that Bartimaeus was on the road while Jesus was walking by. Friends, it's also not an accident that you are where you are this morning, that you had to get up at the right time, you had to live in a proximity, you had to know the local church of, of God's people who were gathering for the praises of his name, and you came, and it's not by accident. And so you should hear this morning that you can take heart, just like they're calling Bartimaeus, you can take heart, because if you are here this morning, Jesus has something to say to you also. It isn't only Bartimaeus who can encounter Jesus today. God has placed you here in this room this morning with the distinct purpose of hearing about Jesus, the distinct call of Jesus calling you too. So when Jesus called Simon and Andrew to be his disciples, they left their nets and followed Jesus. When James and John heard Jesus calling them, they left their father in the boat, willing to be shameful sons, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus called Levi to follow him, he left his tax booth. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus had called him, he threw off his cloak. Bartimaeus threw off his cloak so that he would not trip him, so that nothing would, would hinder him, and he ran to his master. There's a, a joyous and almost reckless response of Bartimaeus towards Jesus today. And so today Jesus is calling you and me because you are already here this morning. Jesus is calling and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, and he says this, he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is calling all of us to find forgiveness and mercy in him today. And so we're called not to miss it. We were created to know God, we were designed to be in relationship with him, and we rebelled against God we didn't want to live by God being our king. We didn't want God's word to be what guides us and what is true or right. We wanted to decide what was good and true and right. We have rebelled against God. And so God promises that in his good kingdom, he doesn't let rebellion last forever. And so God promises that one day he will bring judgment upon all who have rebelled against God. And yet God in his kindness and in his mercy sent Jesus to earth to live a perfect life, to be our substitute on the cross, to be our ransom for us so that Jesus would take the punishment for our rebellion against God. And then God killed Jesus on the cross 
And three days later, God then raised Jesus from the dead so that Jesus would show that he has conquered de death, he has defeated sin, and he calls all people to have ears to hear, to turn from their ways of rebellion, and to put their trust in Jesus. We are to place our trust in Jesus and be saved. Once Bartimaeus knew that he had Jesus' attention, he wasted no time before coming to him. Friends, what hinders you knowing that you have the attention of Jesus? What hinders you from coming to him? Friend, we have the same opportunity here this morning. We have nothing holding us back from having the ear of Jesus right now. But I wonder, does that put a spring in our step knowing that we can meet with Jesus or does it put cement in our boots? Too often we think of church as an obligation, not as a pleasure, not as a privilege, not as an opportunity for people to do God's word, not simply to hear God's word, means that we cannot say, good job, Bartimaeus, way to get in there, way of showing faith. We, that would miss the point for us. Shake off your cement boots or your cloak, or, or whatever's entangling you from coming to Jesus. Let no discouraging voices hinder you, but instead hear the words of the Messiah that says, come to me. And so if you're here today, and you're not sure how to do that, please find me after the service. There's nothing greater that you can do with your time, or with your life, or with your eternity. Jesus stopped and gave attention to blind Bartimaeus, and he called him to himself. Jesus has time for you. The question is, do we have time for him? Bartimaeus was desperate. This might have been his only chance in meeting Jesus. Uh, we're amazed uh, we're, uh, at, at this chance encounter that was designed by God. Now, now we live in an amazing period of human history where we can engage with God every single Sunday together as a body. But too often I think we look for excuses to miss the gathering of God's people instead of looking for excuses to gather more as God's people. Bartimaeus came to Jesus. As we see in verse 51, Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. See, in humble trust, Bartimaeus asked not for wealth, not for power, not for position or for success. He called for sight. Friends, what do you ask of Jesus? Consider how what Bartimaeus asked for Jesus was so different from last week when we saw James and John, who wanted fame, not faith. Bartimaeus asked for nothing other than the very blessing that came with the Messiah. We ask for, for what we ask for of Jesus actually reveals about something that goes on inside our hearts. If we're asking for Jesus to make us rich, then it isn't his kingdom that we want to see advanced, it's only our own. If we're asking Jesus simply to just pass a test, we, then maybe we might feel as desperate as Bartimaeus. Uh, do we ask for the kingdom of God to be made great through us? Do we ask things of Jesus that would make Jesus' name great if they came about? Do we even ask anything of Jesus? I believe many Christians rarely pray 
or exercise trust in Jesus at all? And so if you're uncertain about how to pray or, or what to pray for, uh, a method I, I, I use every single day is, is this idea of, of acts where we, where we adore God for who he is. We, we confess sin that we have, have, have committed against God. We, we thank God for his, uh, for his work, on, for, for Jesus' work on the cross. We, we thank God for what he's doing in our lives. We, we have supplication, right? A-C-T-S, acts. We supplicate. We, we provide prayer for others and their needs as well. That's a great way. That's often how I pray. Our prayers often reveal about what we long for most, and so do our non-prayers. I love how Bartimaeus's request of Jesus is, is only healing, nothing more to be made of life. Such a picture of humbleness that I think that we are called to emulate. In times of desperation, when we feel alone, when we feel beyond what we can bear, we do not need to despair. We do not need to doubt God. We do not need to worry. We can hear the words, take heart. So Christian, this week, when we feel at the end of our rope, you don't need to feel pulled out of joint. You don't have to throw up your hands. You can take heart because God's not done with you. You have the ear of Jesus who forgives and restores. Dare we pray even desperate prayers that only Jesus can accomplish as the Messiah. God's kingdom welcomes the poor and the powerless. So get on the road with Jesus and follow him. Let's look at this last verse, verse 52. Mark writes this in verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. We should be feeling the love of Jesus toward Bartimaeus right now. Right? That Jesus would even stop on his way to Jerusalem, uh, on his way to take up the cross, and he stops for blind Bartimaeus. But Jesus doesn't only hear the desperate plea, he answers it too, doesn't he? Jesus has mercy for Bartimaeus, and he says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. What Jesus said here is significant. The word that Jesus uses for made you well or, or healed you, if you're using the NIV, is the same word in Greek that means to save, sozo, uh, combining both spiritual and physical dimensions to what Jesus is referring to. So we have said it before, but I think it's important enough to repeat. It isn't the strength of the faith in Bartimaeus, but the object of where he has placed his faith that saves. Bartimaeus has placed his faith in Jesus and has been healed and saved. You know, I wonder, in the things that we pray for, if Jesus gave us what we asked for, would it help you follow him better or would it distract you from following him more? We notice that Bartimaeus asked for help to him, for him to follow Jesus better. Bartimaeus didn't love the gift more than the giver, right? Oftentimes we get that wrong in our own lives. We love a gift more than the giver of the gift. And so instead of loving the giver, we love the gift and we give our affection to the gift instead. 
But Bartimaeus used the gift from Jesus to follow him better, not less. If the things that you pray for make you compromise your discipleship to Jesus, then the gift has an imbalance with God. Gifts from God are only to turn our gaze upon him more, to trust him more, to follow him more, more faithfully, not less. There's no gift so good that if it distracts you from following Jesus for you to keep having it in your life. If it hinders you walking with Jesus, then it isn't a gift. It's a hindrance we are called to pull off so that we can continue to run the race of faith. So what are you prone to be entangled with that prevents you from running the race of faith? Or what prevents you from running because you're distracted from Jesus? And what might you need to do this week in your priorities for Jesus to have the best of you, not simply the leftovers of you? Jesus cured Bartimaeus, and in the last time recorded in the Gospels, he says, your faith has healed you. Previously, Jesus told people who were healed to say nothing or, or to return home, but now the appropriate response is to follow Jesus along the road because he's making his way to the cross. Do you guys notice the change in Bartimaeus? Not just that he can see, but where he is. Do you guys see it in the passage? Jesus has transformed Bartimaeus from being a beggar on the side of the road to being a disciple on the road following Jesus. I think this is significant for our own discipleship of Jesus. It is significant for Bartimaeus to be beside the road at the beginning, and it's significant for him to be uh, on the road at the end. It's the difference between a, being a bystander and a disciple. Which one describes you? Faith that watches but doesn't follow isn't a saving faith. It may be well-intentioned, but it isn't a saving one. Faith that does not lead to discipleship isn't a saving faith. Faith where we ask things of Jesus but are unwilling to obey Jesus or to follow Jesus, even up the hill to the cross, means that we are trying to have Jesus on our terms, not on his terms. Right? Jesus says, whoever should follow me, must take up his own cross daily and follow me. He says that in Mark 8. Jesus calls us to follow him, not just to cheer others on who are following him. So brothers and sisters, do not be a bystander who watches others following Jesus. We are called to get on the road and follow him too. Let nothing hinder you. Let nothing dissuade you. Let nothing stop you. But instead, spring up and follow Jesus. Let us follow our Savior, e even to the cross, knowing that he has died for our sins and has been raised from the dead, defeating death, giving us new life. But that new life is not meant to be only in eternity, the new life happens now, which means our lives are to be affected today, not just 
when we see him face to face. So let us not miss the vision for God's kingdom by being like the disciples who wanted to push and shove for positions of power. Instead, let us take the road of Jesus. Let us take our own cross and following him and find everlasting joy in the kingdom of God. See, God's kingdom welcomes the poor and the powerless. And so we need to get on the road with Jesus and follow him. I remember that after I got my bacon cheeseburger from, uh, from Burger King, that I hadn't ordered, ordered enough food for the remaining days. So I got back in line again, ate the rest of what I had first ordered in the car, and waited a couple more hours to order once more uh, where I, I had enough food for about three more days. And it, and it was then three days later that I was munching on these cold fries that were stale. They pretty much tasted the same. And I couldn't have been happier to have the food. Bartimaeus let nothing stop him from crying out to Jesus, the son of David, the one who came to ransom sinners, to heal the sick, and to bring back the lost. Let us hold nothing back from being on the road and following Jesus. Let us see Jesus as clearly as the formerly blind Bartimaeus. Let us not let anything hinder us. Let us not be passive. Let us not be a bystander. Instead, let us be on the road and follow him even if it means following him to the cross. Let's pray. Well, friends, as we go today, hear our, our uh, benediction from 2 Corinthians 13. It says this, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your Lord's day. If you are a college student,